0: Welcome to the Truth About Taxes and Retirement. This podcast is brought to you by SavingYouTaxes.com and hosted by J. Barry Watts. As an advanced tax strategist and enrolled agent federally licensed by the IRS, Barry is uniquely qualified to go deeper into the Internal Revenue Code than most accountants. He understands and interprets its provisions explaining how they'll help you reduce income taxes you owe so you can direct that previously wasted tax money into tax-free accounts that you can enjoy in your retirement years. Now, on today's episode.
1: We welcome you back to the Truth About Taxes and Retirement podcast with Jay Barry Watts and Eric Burleson of SavingYouTaxes.com. Now, Barry and Eric know taxes. They also know about tax deductions. And this episode, the focus is on business owners. Gentlemen, are we talking about some big deductions here?
2: Could be some big, huge, humongous deductions. Uh, Of course, everything's relative. A big deduction to a a small business owner who's got four employees is one thing compared to a big deduction for somebody who's got 1,000 employees. But, yes, we're talking about significant commas to the left (laughs) of the decimal point today when we talk about tax deductions. And kind of what spawned this conversation uh, is my co-host, Eric Burleson, who is a member of the Missouri State Senate. Uh, and I were having lunch one day, we were talking about tax credits, and he was schooling me on tax credits. And it was such an interesting and painful conversation that I told him I wanted him to bring it to the podcast. So Eric, uh, educate us and bring that story back to life. If you,
3: you know, Barry, I, you know me, I do not like taxes. I want taxes to be as low as possible for everyone, right? And so I want the burden to be little and be spread up across so that everyone has as little of a burden as possible. But unfortunately, the ugly side of politics is that that's not what always happens. You see often the big players coming to the table, those are the ones that are in the halls of the Capitol building that are lobbying to get very designer, very specific tax credits or tax breaks that would only apply to them. And for example, in Missouri, we uniquely have got a, low-income housing tax credit that is on top of the federal low-income housing tax credit. And we have historic tax credits for those individuals who are developers. And those are on top of any federal historic tax credits. So some developers can even, if you've got a historic area and you can make those, you're gonna redevelop it for low-income purposes, you can stack those tax credits and sometimes walk away with more money in your pocket than it costs you to build the project. So these, these kind of very specific things are not frustrating. They're frustrating me because they're not available to the common Joe, to the average Joe. Can you explain tax credit before we go any further? That's a great question. That a tax credit is different than a tax deduction. A tax deduction is something where you can reduce, what is your, what's your gross uh, income with the tax deduction, right? So you can offset what was your income to the IRS or to your state, in, in our case, to the, D- the Department of Revenue. Mm-hmm. A tax credit is almost like a gift card from the government saying, when you owe taxes, you can use this in lieu of paying us money.
2: So I heard you say two interesting things there. First of all, you said a developer could sometimes walk away with more money in tax credits than he invested in the whole project.
3: Yeah, and that would be pretty rare. But I will say this, many of these developers, they can start a project with almost none of their own money down. A lot of these developers, they don't even bring money to the table. They don't need to because what they'll do is they'll go to the bank and they will have had all the legal paperwork, all the documentation done. And the bank considers that enough that it's as it's enough to count as a deposit on the, on the entire project, because when the project is completed, the bank knows this individual is going to get a tax credit from the state that that has got significant value. And sometimes the bank themselves will absorb that tax credit and they'll buy it from the developer and then the bank will use the tax credit to offset any income that the bank has has realized.
2: So the first question that comes to my mind out of that little speech you made is what incentive does the developer have to finish the project and finish it well if he's got no skin in the game?
3: Well, it's well obviously there's a big carrot at the end of that. So they they definitely want to finish the project and do it to the to the what they were
2: designed to do. And you mentioned that these are low income Uh, right developments
3: so they in order to qualify the idea is that they're building homes or apartment buildings and then they're going to rent them at a reduced rate to individuals based on their income
2: and and uh, it's for a period of years and i assume a lower property tax as well
3: now that is not necessarily the case but that there, there. But you're bringing up another issue. There are some uh, local property tax issues, and it depends on your county. But oftentimes, you're, the locals will uh, provide that kind of incentive as well. We see that happen in our community, where where they try to I- incentivize certain depressed areas. They will they will declare them blighted, which then means that if you develop that area, you don't pay as much in property taxes. So. Well- at, at, at the end of the day, what frustrates me is that you've got to hire very highly trained, very specific attorneys to accomplish this. And even when you do accomplish it, it these are not available to just anybody who jumps who jumps through the right hoops. You've got to know people politically as well. You've got to know exactly what's what chords to strike that get your project approved. You've got to know the right people. And to me, that's the kind of thing that I don't like.
2: So these aren't available to the average Joe? They're not.
3: And so I like things that are available to the average
2: Joe. Well, and that's what we're going to talk about today, because not all of us can qualify for six-figure, seven-figure tax credits. But the things that we're going to talk about today, every business owner can qualify for at some level, And if you're paying significant income taxes, we're going to introduce you to some ideas that will give you big deductions for putting money into your own retirement plan. These are already baked into the law. So it's not a sweet deal on tax credits like those developers you were talking about, but it is a sweet deal on tax deductible retirement plans. So let me ask you this question, Eric. uh, How would you like to be able to make a $100,000, $200,000, even a $300,000 tax-deductible contribution to your retirement plan this year.
3: That would be, well, I would love to be able to have that to make make that, uh, but that would be fantastic.
2: Well, we're going to show you how to do that in uh, today's conversation. So first of all, let's just talk about the types of retirement plans that are available for business owners to use. And we'll start with the most simple one. It's not just for business owners. It's available to anyone. And that is just an IRA plan, an individual retirement account or an IRA, as they call right,
3: it. Those are maxed out. Yeah, you, you can't put $100,000 in those. No,
2: no, you can't. In fact, what is the maximum contribution on an IRA? $6,000. $6,000. But if you are, um, shall we say, uh, full of wisdom because you have passed a certain age. Right. And age what is that age? Yeah, if you're 50 years or older, then you can put an extra
3: thousand bucks. Thousand bucks. So so woo! We, Yeah, exciting. <laughs> if you're if you're
2: fifty or older, you can put seven thousand dollars into your IRA account. Now, there are a lot of other rules about how much you put in and when and deadlines and dates and withdrawals and so forth. We're not going to talk about all that stuff. Our focus today is just on how much you can put in. But what I want you to think about is this. It's going to take, oh, two or three thousand bucks to have the kind of, I'm sorry, two or three million bucks. Imagine you're trying to accumulate two million dollars, six 000 or seven thousand dollars per year.
3: Yeah, you would have to have started a at a very young age.
2: Yeah, it's it's just probably not going to happen. So we're not anti IRA. We think IRAs are a good tool. Uh, and we encourage people to use them. But you just need to realize that you're not going to get a lot of juice out of that particular squeeze. Now, the second retirement plan that people use, which is a little bit larger than an IRA, is called a simple plan. And what's the maximum contribution on a simple plan, Eric? 13,500. Yep. And then if you are over the age of 50, you get an additional $3,000 yeah. that uh, you can put in uh, for your total contribution. So uh, you can get 16500 so that's better. That's better. Well, it's a step in the right direction. Uh, Now, if you've got a simple plan, and if you're an employer, you have employees in your business, you also have to cover your employees. So there are some contributions that have to be made for them. And that's a significant issue or just a thing we want to hang out there because some of these plans require employee contribution. Now, the third plan, we're ordering these from the smallest to the largest. The third kind of plan that you could have would be a SEP plan. That's an S-E-P And the maximum contribution to a set plan is? $57,000. $57,000. So if you're an employer and you put in $57,000 for yourself, the problem is you've also got to make a contribution for each of your employees. So if you're a one-man show or just a husband-wife team, then fund your set plans. That's a wonderful way to do it. But when you have employees, then you have to bear in mind that you have got to do something for them as well. And somewhere beyond the size of that set plan, if you have multiple employees, you get into what's called the 401k plan. And in a 401k, the maximum amount that you can contribute is? Well, it'd be 57000
3: uh, 6500
2: yeah, so you can get a total of $63,500 uh, if you're over age 50 in your 401k plan. And of course, if you're doing that for yourself as an employer, then you have to make contributions for your employees along the way. Now, you can begin to accumulate some significant amounts of money, fifty dollars and $60,000 at a time, and you do that over a period of years. But still, if you're going to need to retire and have two to $3 million just to meet your retirement income goals, it's still going to be pretty hard to put that together at 50,000 bucks a crack.
3: Yeah. And a lot of employers, they haven't been thinking about these things and until they get to the age 50, right? Where they're, because they've been plowing every, they've been putting every nickel and dime sweat and energy into their bit, growing their business. And so a lot of individuals end up at this point and they say, oh no, what am I gonna do? I need to start thinking about my retirement.
2: Yeah, between age 50 and age 65, when you might normally retire, well, if you're limited to, let's just say 50,000 to keep the math simple, that means you're only gonna get about $750,000 that you can contribute into your retirement account, not enough to hit that two or $3 million target. So if you're looking for the opportunity to contribute more than just that fifty dollars to $60,000 a year, and you've got the cash flow that allows you to do it, and you'd like the deduction, I want to introduce to you the behemoth of all retirement plans, the cash balance pension plan. The cash balance plan will allow you to contribute up to a maximum of $2.9 million into that plan, and I guess I would ask you is 2.9 million better than 57,000? Absolutely. Now
3: hey. but my question is people have been moving away from pension plans over the years. So this but this is kind of different.
2: Why do people move away from pension
3: plans? Well, because I think because a lot of employers, especially large companies, that's typically where we all think of of businesses that had a pension, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of those employers have got caught with uh, their actuarials and having to shore up their pensions. And so I think you've seen a,
2: a shift. So in fact, FedEx just stopped doing their their uh, pension plan. Let's just think for a moment about how that might've come to be and what would have been going on. So um, historically, when I was a kid growing up and even into my college days, uh, big corporations still had pensions. And they began to phase those out about that time. In fact, in 1978, there was legislation passed that introduced a new concept that allowed them to phase their pensions out and replace them with the 401k plan. But I just want to ask you, how do you think that legislation got introduced and how did it happen to get passed and why? I, that's a good question. Well, do you think your congressman was just sitting up there in Washington thinking, I bet a 401k plan would be better for employees, and so let's give them one. No, I'm sure that that there was a special interest that was lobbying. For well, and the special interest were the big corporations who were saying, oh, my goodness, we don't want to be responsible right. for these retirement plans for the rest of our life, so let's shift the burden from our company to our employees. And so they moved away from cash balance plans over to 401k plans where the employees had to make their own contribution and employers aren't required to make any contribution. So that happened in 1978 is when that happened to go down. Now, these cash balance plans that we're talking about, the typical person will contribute somewhere in the neighborhood of one to $300,000 a year into a cash balance plan. But as I mentioned earlier, the maximum you can put in is a little over $2.9 million. And so if you're in the top tax bracket, That means that your deduction for that contribution, the very first year, could be over a a $1,073,000 in deduction. That's huge. That's absolutely huge. So if your company made $2 million last year instead of paying taxes on $2 million, you make a contribution to your cash balance pension plan and you only pay a tax on $900,000 and that is a really huge and significant difference. But let's dial it back down, and let's say you can only put $100,000 into your pension plan. If you're in the top tax bracket, well, that still saves you $37,000 federally and keeps 6% or $6,000 from going to the fellows in Jeff City and uh, giving it to all your cohort up there to spend that kind of money. So we're talking about significant savings here. uh, On the very shortest end of something in the neighborhood of $40,000, and on the long end, uh, something in the neighborhood of a million dollars in tax deduction that would be available to you. Now, I'm going to just give you some real background on who can contribute, how much they can contribute, and so forth. So your contribution to a cash balance pension plan is driven by the issue of uh, how old you are. And at first, I should probably stop and explain that uh, these plans are called defined benefit plans instead of defined contribution plans. So let's talk about that for a moment. Are you familiar with the difference?
3: Yes. Tell us about it. So with a defined benefit that you're telling the individual what they are going to be receiving when they retire. So you're setting that so they know what you need to do is invest to make that
2: happen. Yeah, so the calculation is this, let's say you're making $100,000 a year today, and so the mathematical calculation is how much money do you need to contribute into the plan today so that when you get to retirement, there'll be enough money in the plan to pay your pension of $100,000 a year for the rest of your life. That's a defined benefit.
3: And in order to get there, that you have to typically pay actuarialists. I think that's the right term what they're called, but they're called actuaries and an actuary to, to do that research, to make sure that there's enough money in the plan to achieve the goals for the people, for the participants of the plan.
2: So a defined benefit plan has a target of fulfilling an income in however many years when you retire and saying, this is the number we want. We've defined the benefit that we want to receive. Now, what are the steps we have to take to get to the benefit? A defined contribution plan, on the other hand, doesn't have a target in mind. It simply asks the question, how much can you contribute this year? And so all of these other plans, the SEP plan and the simple plan and the IRA plan and the 401k plan, those are all defined contributions. In fact, you noticed as we started explaining it, we talked about how much you're allowed to contribute each year. And so defined contributions really don't care how much you you need when you retire. It's just how much they'll allow you to contribute. So in 1978, we moved away from defined benefit plans, the pension plans over to defined contribution plans, the 401k plan, but for business owners, the defined contribution plan, the cash balance plan is still available. And so you can still make a ginormous contribution for yourself and your yeah. wife, perhaps, and you get to deduct all of it. And I
3: guess the concept there is that you would need that to be open because if, for example, if things needed to be adjusted, if... if if that plan needed an injection in order to achieve those goals, you would need to be able to do that.
2: Yes, that's why flexibility is required because it's designed to try to achieve a balance at the end. Now, you're a younger fellow than I am. I am 57 years old. And at my age, 57, the maximum amount that I can contribute on my own behalf, or it's not the maximum amount, I'm sorry, but the the recommended amount for me to be able to hit the retirement goal is $288,000 a year. But in your particular case, at age 42, the maximum you can contribute is only $143,000. Okay. So look at that. I can contribute twice as much as you can because I've got more gray hair on my head. <laughs> that's what that's really all about. So, so this is age-related is the point. Younger people, you don't have to contribute nearly as much to their plan as you do to older people's plans. So think about this. You're a business owner, and you're, let's say, 50, 55, 60 years old. You're kind of on the the senior tour of your career, but in your business, you have a whole bunch of employees who are very young. So the imbalance, notice this, the imbalance is that you're going to be able to put in a lot of money for yourself and you're only going to have to put in a very small amount of money for each of your employees. Does that make sense to you?
3: Okay, I'm starting to see how for some employers, this would be a good, a really good tool.
2: It's a great strategy and it's enhanced when you are the older employer and when most of your employees are much younger. Now, there are some other things that come to mind here that you want to think about. First of all, if you start a new balanced plan, a new cash balance plan, you can actually use your previous years of employment and get credit for those years. And what that does is it opens up a window that allows you to put more money into your plan right off the bat. So you can contribute for all those years you missed before you even set the plan up. I see. Okay. Yeah. And which means more deduction that's going to come your way. So the concept of the cash balance plan is simply this. You've got a lot more headroom to contribute a lot more money into a retirement plan in your name. And you do have to cover your employees. And we'll talk about the allocation for the employees in just a moment. But this is a plan that that people who are making serious money and could put six figures a year away want to consider a cash balance plan. All of the executives we work with, uh, the big business owners, the uh, physicians who are not in one of the systems, but who are independent physicians, they're the kind of people who make cash balance plan contributions because there's some significant advantages for doing it. Eric, what are some of those advantages?
3: Well, obviously, you've got the tax deduction from the very beginning. And that would that's the big one.
2: Yeah, the, the big the big advantage right off the bat is you get a tax deduction. Now, when you invest this money, what are the investment requirements? Well, uh,
3: they would be pretty wide open. In fact, I sit on a board to oversee the investments of Missouri's pension systems mm-hmm. and they invest in I mean it's it's amazing the kind of different creative things that they will invest in. Some of them have they invest in even timber or, Obviously, equities, but some of them have invested in even buildings, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty broad spectrum of what you can invest in.
2: That's correct. So, you know, if you've got a 401k plan where you work, they usually give you a list of oh six or 10 or mutual 20 funds. different things that yeah. you can invest in. Yeah, just different mutual funds, all sort of the same thing. And then to make it easier for people, they started giving them lifestyle funds that have a target date on them or target date funds that say, well, if you're going to retire in 2033, you should be in the 2033 fund. And all that did was took all the other mutual funds and just did an allocation in them. But when you have a cash balance plan, you can invest in practically anything that you want to, depending on how the trust around that cash balance plan is written. So we have cash balance plan clients who are investing in stocks and in bonds And in insurance, we don't really have any who have taken it out into other things uh, because most of them come to us wanting us to handle that investment in-house. They're not looking for more complexity in their life. But the point is, you could use it for other investment vehicles outside of the standard stocks and bonds and mutual funds kinds of thinking. And uh, that, that opportunity to do more things, I think, is really significant. Now, the next big benefit that we've kind of already hammered, but I want to be sure everybody gets it, is the issue that you can contribute lots and lots and lots and lots of money. So not only can you make a big contribution for this year, but if you put the plan in place for this year, you can go back and consider your prior years of employment and increase the amount that you contribute. So we're talking about a minimum $100,000 contribution, and probably more like two or three hundred thousand dollars for the typical person. The maximum, as I told you, is two point nine million dollars. Now there's something called ERISA, E R I S A. Do you know what ERISA stands for, Eric? Put you on the spot.
3: Oh. I will have to go back and look that up, but
2: the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. You know, you're like
3: the encyclopedia. <laughs> I, I try hard. The
2: encyclopedia, Barry right. right. You can just call me that. By the way, if you're going to move up in politics from you know being a state senator, that's kind of as high as you can get in Missouri, pretty much. Right. But I just want you to know, if you're going to move on up, you're going to have to get better at the acronyms because everything, everything that comes acronym. out of the federal government has an acronym. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So ERISA is the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. And ERISA has some specific rules and cash balance plans fall under these rules. And it gives you some protections. What are those protections?
3: Well, I would assume that you can be protected from lawsuits. So
2: from liability. That's exactly right. So let's say you've got a million dollars in cash balance plan. And let's say somebody wants to sue you
3: because it, they, can't they can't go into touch
2: your million dollars that's other people's pension that's exactly right. right the pension money is protected so they can't touch your million dollars now if you left that million dollars in the checking account at your business oh it's still subject to that okay uh, so so the lawsuit right. could take it away from your business but once it goes into the cash balance plan of the business then it's protected by okay. the lawsuit.
3: Right. also, if you were to if something were to happen to you financially and you had to declare bankruptcy, I would
2: imagine they can't touch that either. That's exactly correct. It would harm other plans are protected from bankruptcy. And so if your business fell on hard times, and Lord knows these are an unusual time for anyone to be in business and it's hard to know what comes the next day, but money that you put into a cash balance plan would be protected in the event your business fell on hard times and you had to file for bankruptcy. And then one of the other things that I like to mention about a cash balance plan that's particularly cool for people who are one man show, one woman show just you and your spouse, you can not only make this big contribution for yourself, but you could make this big contribution for your spouse as well.
3: You can do this even if you have no employees, that you're the only employer, employee of your business. Yeah, that's
2: the coolest part about it, I think, is when you don't have any employees. Well, so here's the rule. You have to take care of all the employees in the business. Well, if you and your spouse are the only employees in the business, you just take care of 100% of them, just like you always would. And you'd be very happy about that. That's fantastic. Let's talk just a moment about uh, providing for the employees and what that looks like. So you don't have to provide for all your employees. There are rules written into the ERISA code, but I'll just tell you, you don't have to contribute for all of them. I've got a a client I'm thinking of right now who has a cash balance plan and has about 13 or 14 employees, and they make a contribution for about six of those particular employees. So a little less than half of the employees happen to be covered. And the amounts that they contribute for those employees are only something in the neighborhood of two or $3,000 per employee. So at the end of the day, when we get done doing the math and they put in a dollar, 92 to 93 cents of that dollar accrues to the business owner. And only about 7 cents of the dollar goes to cover the employees. So here's the question I want to ask you, Eric. If you could make a contribution... And you got a 37% tax deduction for contributing a dollar. Would you be willing to give your employees seven or eight cents of that dollar you contributed if you got to have 92% of it go into the Eric Burleson retirement account?
3: Well, that, that's, a, that's a, a great return, but it's all, I can see how it's also a good option and a good benefit to provide to those long lasting employees, those employees that are really valuable to your business that you want to keep. Mm -hmm. And they have been there with you for a long period of time. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, well, it it is. Uh, There are even better strategies for employees that you're really trying to take care of. But for my focus and where I'm headed with this today, I'm talking about just trying to help the employer to take care of himself. And so the point is, you've got to do some things to be fair to the employees and the cost to support those employees will be somewhere in the neighborhood of 7 to 8% of your total contribution will have to go to the employees, meaning that 92 to 93% of it can go into your personal account, and you get a maximum tax deduction of 37% on all of it. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, it is fantastic. And it's why I personally have a cash balance plan. And it's why I recommend other people have cash balance plans if they're business owners. And we actually have uh, had situations where we had people who didn't own businesses. Physician is what I'm thinking of. He didn't actually own his own business. He worked for the hospital, but he made a, an obscene amount of money working for the hospital. And we actually helped him create a business helped him form a business on the side so he could pay money into this business so that then he could get the deduction for putting that money over into his own cash balance plan. Wow.
3: You know, this is, as we started the conversation, this is kind of like one of those secret or not very well-known tools that is As good as the tools that some of the well-connected, politically connected, uh, mega-wealthy use. But this is available to everybody. It
2: is available to everybody. And I would tell you if you went down the street and just knocked on the door of every person who has their shingle hanging out over the street saying financial advisor or uh, CPA or something like that and ask them what kinds of retirement plan was available for them. Probably where it would cap out would be at the SEP plan, that 57,000 to $63,000 contribution level. And it would be very unusual if any of them ever even brought up the idea of the cash balance plan. But this is a super plan that even I didn't know about for the first 20 years of my career until I was in a continuing education meeting. And I heard some other advisors talking about cash balance plans. And I said, explain this to me. What is it? How does it work? And they began showing me how it worked. And I'm like, holy smoke. Why don't I do this for my clients? Oh my goodness. Why don't I have one of these myself? And Mm -hmm. now I do. And my clients do too. And that's what we do for people at savingyoutaxes.com. We help them find ways that they can reduce their income taxes and then take that income tax reduction and plow it back into their own retirement savings so they'll be prepared for the future and can live a work optional lifestyle as soon as they possibly want to.
1: If you know a business owner who would benefit from the information in this podcast, make sure to share this with them by using the share button on this page. To hear more from Jay Barry Watts and Eric Burleson of SavingYouTaxes.com, please subscribe to the Truth About Taxes and Retirement podcast by using the subscribe button on this page.
0: Thank you for listening to The Truth About Taxes and Retirement Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of savingyoutaxes.com. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional tax and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your own qualified advisor with any questions you may have regarding taxes and investing.